Thank you for joining us again on this episode of the podcast. Don't forget, we sell coffee to support the show. We have two blends, Summit View and Weekend Getaway. They're both specially roast, small batch, you name it. There's a lot that goes behind it that we just support and enjoy. We put a lot of time and effort into it, and we love coffee. But it supports the podcast and everything goes on. So if you want to support the show and have a tasty beverage at the same time, head over to 95adventures.com. Or you can hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and we will get that to you ASAP. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast. My guest today on the show is Nathan Garrison. He is the host of the Extraordinary Podcast, as well as the creator and founder of Eight Keys to Great. I have put links in the show notes to his websites. He's an awesome guy. He's one of those people that you feel better for getting to know. It's a wonderful conversation. The dude is doing some great things. So head over there, follow him, and support him on all his social media and on his site. And please enjoy this really fun conversation with Nathan Garrison. There we go. It's, it's rock and rolling now. Word. I was just telling you, I just listened to your, uh, your podcast. You did, what is it, The Walk Off? Uh, the Walk Show with Walker Near. Yeah, we, we yeah, discussed yeah. the uh, 12 rules of life, uh, 12, uh, yeah, is it right? 12 rules yeah. for life, rules of life uh, with, with Jordan Peterson. Yeah. 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 And that was like, I had it in my earphones while I was working. I had one here and I'm doing my paperwork over here and doing stuff on the computer. So I had it in the whole time, like listening to, uh, listening to that stuff and break down because I love Jordan Peterson. When I saw it, I was like, oh man, this dude, he's doing the, they're doing like a breakdown of it. That's pretty rad. Yeah, it's a little long for sure, but uh, I like, uh, you know, we, we put a little offer there at the end, so it's worth it to stick through it if you can. <laughs> no, yeah, it worked out good for me. Like when you're at work, you could, I always tell, like somebody told me one time, like it's best if you want to support a podcast or he told me the way he supports the podcast and the way he got monetized because he plays video games on streaming apps and stuff and he makes money doing it um, wow. on top of being this crazy good businessman. He was giving me all these tips. He's like, you need to put every one of your episodes on YouTube for sure because I, we play them in the background so we can hear them and that way you get a listen. And sometimes I don't even turn the volume up. I just play a friend's podcast in the background with no volume on and so it gets them a listen and they don't even have nice. to do anything for it, you know? So I'm like, I love it. That's awesome. That. No, that's amazing. It's funny you say that because I've just started, you know, all my audio um, podcast episodes go up onto YouTube automatically, but most of uh, most of them have been done through Zoom, which gives you the the video file. And I've just never posted them. And I just now, this past week, my last episode posted the video file to go along with it. Isn't it easy to take the Zoom and just transfer it over into YouTube and just let it rock? I mean, do you edit it at all? Well, I do edit my episodes because because <laughs> I'm not a very good interviewer. Like I blow it all the time, so I'll have these little you know moments of you know dead space that I'm trying to clean up. So I do go through and I mean I don't do a lot of editing, but I do give it a good once over. So I was a little bit nervous about putting the um, the YouTube content out there just completely unfiltered. But at this stage in the game, I just you know hey go with it you know because. Yeah, video editing is so hard too. like you can cut it and i've done i've messed around with it trying to make a movie like my my brother one he's he's i still got the videos and i know you're gonna dig this because of all your running stuff and the and all that but he wanted to make we wanted to make it it's called uh from fat to 50 which is he he was like a large guy like he'd been overweight for a long time 
And then he lost all the weight through just like not eating. And then he's trying to build it back nice. with muscle. And now he's super athletic. Like the guy is one of the best athletes ever that I've ever been around. Amazing. And I mean, everything he touches. So he decided that he wanted to start doing CrossFit and then he went into running and he got into running a lot because he could do it a lot easier with his job. And he texts me one day and he's like, Hey, I'm going to run 50 mi- I'm going to run the 50 miler down in college station. I'm like, okay, cool. You can come stay with us. That's awesome. And he goes, do you think three months is enough time to train for it? And I was like, I have no idea. Let me la- ask Paul Watkins. He was on the podcast. He'll know. And he's like, that's pretty tight time frame, but okay. <laughs> and then, so I've got all these videos and trying to edit it. And I'm like, dude, this is so hard. It, it takes so much time too. Uh, I'm lucky to yeah, do any audio editing. The, the idea of jumping into the video editing on top of that is just, it's overwhelming, you know? Uh, and like people like Brandon, we were talking about before Brandon Anderson, he's an amazing videographer and they, they're great at that. But uh, man, it's just not my wheelhouse right now. <laughs> I wish it was. You have a lot of stuff going on. So you have eight keys to great. And I purposely did not look up a ton of that just so I could hear you explain it. Uh, in the raw form right now from you. And then you have your other, your podcast you got going on. And then if I see it right, I mean, you've obviously got a family you spend a lot of time with, you do your running and also have another full-time job. Is that right on, on, on everything else going on? Yeah. Well, we've actually, um, I've reopened, um, Atlantic custom group. So my, uh, before I got into all this and I've spent the last year, the last decade in, uh, the commercial space of, uh, of real estate development and and construction and all that. But before I got into the commercial side, I had my own, um, residential general contracting company called Atlantic custom group. And um, now it's not my full-time gig, but we have reestablished that to help support the podcast and to help support eight keys to great because eight keys to great uh, at its basic premise is how to remodel your life the way that you would remodel your home. So it's all these same principles that are, that these, they're basically construction principles apply to lifestyle design. So um, it was kind of just this perfect fit of bringing that back in to support the podcast and to support the, the website. And uh, I, I had, I, I was hoping that it wasn't going to be quite as popular as it has been, but was, the, 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 the Atlantic custom group has actually been more popular than the podcast and everything else I'm doing. So I'm just, Hey, man, you just got to run with it, you know? So the eight keys to great uh, is why, how did you start that? And I guess you said, it's like the custom, just like foundation of customers. So what do people do? When they yeah. Get so uh, the, the website is eight keys to great and it's the number eight and the number two. Um, so that's a little bit confusing to folks. So when you're typing in the website and hopefully we'll have some links in the show notes, but basically what I did was I began this process of a personal development plan. Um, and that, that really started about two years ago. I had this crazy serendipitous moment and these events that all kind of conspired to, force me really to to start this program and to come to to come to an understanding of this idea that I had and um and the eight keys to great didn't actually even start off as that name it didn't it started off as just personal development concepts and it was through fleshing out those concepts that the construction themes kept coming back into what I was trying to share and the idea for the podcast ironically um 
stemmed from that personal development plan. The whole idea behind the podcast was to find people that exemplified a lot of the principles within the eight keys to great. And so I just happened to be lucky enough to really know some really neat people, um, just be associated with them through high school or whatever set of circumstances that just happened to make these people or that, that just put me in the path of these folks. And so as I began to realize that these folks were exemplifying those principles, it was like, okay, well, let's show people that this is how it works. Like these are real life, real examples of these principles in action. Uh, it's not just my idea. It's not just concepts that I've got, but it's something that is universally true. And so that's really kind of how it started. And the podcast kind of just took off more so than, again, more so than the, the eight keys to great concept did. And so I just kind of kept that podcast running and just kind of kept going with it. And then COVID hit and everything changed. And, you know, my whole premise from the, for the podcast was to be in-person interviews, you know, face-to-face. -face. I hated the, the telephone quality. I could never get into podcasts that didn't have a good audio file. Um, despite yeah. how good the content was. Now I know a lot of people say, Hey, just put the content out there. And I'm a big believer of get good quality content out there and people will listen. But for me, I had to have that audio quality. And so that's how I started off. And then when COVID hit and that changed the whole dynamic, I had actually been just lucky enough to be preparing for that. And uh, Squadcast was this service that came about that provided, um, and a direct recording from your audio feed directly from your computer so that you didn't pick up a lot of that interference that you would pick up from a traditional zoom call or from over the phone or whatever. So it actually sounded like you were person to person, you were face to face. And so it actually opened up this whole window of opportunity for me to find all these international guests that I never would have considered before or even thought about because I was all in person and it just completely changed the, the dynamic of the podcast. So I was very blessed in that regard. Yeah, that's pretty cool because I've done several where I've had them like the phone to the mic and all that, like with, you know, because you got to do people's phone call and sometimes they got to do it this way and that way. And I remember like I sent a dude, shout out to Rick Thorne. I, that guy's awesome. Like he's one of my favorite people. I love talking to him, but um, he, yeah, but like, you had to do it over the phone though. You could tell <laughs> Yeah. He didn't know. He was, he didn't know how to open it. He's like, I don't know if I have a zoom. And so we ended up doing that podcast over the phone. Cause it was like all last second type of thing. But, um, so I've got like a set, you know, I'll work around, but I'm just like you. I like the, when I listen to one, I guess I got spoiled during non COVID times where people could go in in person. So was, if they did one over the phone, I was like, no way, I'm not going to listen to it. But now with zoom, I guess. And you know, there's no other choice. Like people can't, there's not a lot of people being able to fly to people's area to be like face to face. Some people are scared of it and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, COVID definitely completely changed the dynamic for all of us in so many different ways. Um, I still strive for the in-person and I still make every effort to get 
people in in person that I can. But I also realized that there's some opportunity um, to get some more internet. Like I just went on this international spree. I've had like a half a dozen guests from Australia for whatever reason, and Spain, and I just got wrapped <laughs> up with one in Scotland, Japan. So it really it really opened up my eyes to what was possible and what's out there. And big shout out to Squadcast. Um, they're a, they're a, just like Zoom where they provide this kind of an audio uh, and video feed. Um, but the, the quality that you're able to get f- from those recordings really opened up the, the door for me to, to feel comfortable going into this dynamic of international guests and recording remotely and that sort of thing. Now you're going to have me playing around with it. Now I'm going to be like, I, I got to check out this squad. Yeah, for thing. sure. And shout out to Zach Moreno and those guys. Um, they do a phenomenal job and they're actually working very diligently right now um, to, um, to have the video feed available to you as well, just like Zoom. So um, that's in the works and that's coming. And um, when you, the biggest difference with Squadcast is they d- record directly from your computer. So eliminating all those glitches, all those, nuances of an internet feed that that prevent that provide problems for you um all that's eliminated you, you'll still catch it through the conversation but the actual recordings are crystal clear and, and and don't have any of that in there so it makes editing much easier for us that aren't very good at it <laughs> that's awesome that's what i need for sure but uh, this the podcast being a selling point for your eight keys to great sounds like an awesome idea like you're bringing the people on that use your philosophies and you're selling the philosophies over here on the website, right? Yeah, exactly. All the podcast really does is just exemplify all of those different principles. And to be honest, you know, we don't really spend a lot of time talking about the eight keys to great within the podcast itself. I've tried to let it stand on its own as its own thing um, because it's kind of taken this life of its own through the course of, of development. Um, but but all the principles still certainly hold true. And and what I've done is I've created seasons, uh, 13 episode seasons. And so at the end of each season, I present one of the eight keys, uh, one of those principles so that we go into a, a great depth over all that. So it's not an interview with another person. It's actually kind of like a summary of that season and then going into great depth into the details and the nitty gritty behind whatever principle, whatever that key is, that's the next one in line. So the next one I think is number five. I think that's got coming up in two episodes. Is this something that you thought of to do personal develop wise that you learned from owning your own business and starting your own business, like and building it up and just like the idea hits you in your head or is it, I mean, is that the way it kind of like you got the idea to move and transfer it from construction into this eight keys to great thing? I wish it was that organized and that well thought out, but quite honestly, it was a comedy of errors that got me to this point. Um, the podcast didn't start off as being called the extra podcast. The podcast was originally called pie profiles and excellence. And so like that had its own thing. The eight keys to great didn't start off as that. It was started off as just personal development and like kind of a best practices and habits kind of thing um, that, that so many people tried to present. And it was through this process of trying to organize the content and make it into a presentable fashion that 
for whatever reason, I've always been this construction guy. I've always enjoyed building things and creating stuff with my hands. And it really, it started off with like skateboard ramps. And in the early days, it was like stealing my dad's tools and going to the local construction site and pilfering wood and just constructing little things. And so that construction process has always been like embedded in the back of my brain. Like this just is part of who I am. And so as I was working through the, the personal development concepts for whatever reason, what well, I'll tell you what the reason was, it was my brother-in-law and he happened to, we were talking through this and actually I had him on the podcast and we were going through some of the stuff and he's like, dude, you got to tie this into construction. So I'm like, that's who you are. And so like, if you can tie it into who you are, then it will relate more to people. And so that was kind of like this aha moment construction. It did all at all. Just, and then once that, that light bulb went off, all the pieces just kind of tumbled into place where everything just kind of made sense at that point. Yeah. It's so, it's so wild how little things, like you said, a bunch of things right there that it's, it's so fascinating, like being handy when you're young, like, you know, I guess you, how old are you, right? How old are you? <laughs> Do I have to say? <laughs> I'm in my forties. <laughs> Probably a little okay. bit older than so you, like, but not much. So we grew up around the same time frame where like, if we wanted a skate ramp, we had to go build it. Like there wasn't these skate parks that they have now. Everywhere. Yeah. Like we really oh, had yeah. to go make our own things. And so you get very resourceful when you're left, you know, you're left your stuff. Like you make stuff, you, you learn about the angles and the pitches and everything like that, that you need to launch at different, at different styles and, you know, making things out of pallets and you get very creative. Yeah. So your mind starts to work on a different level, like where you're like, Oh, I want, you know what? I could probably do that, but I, I just tweak it. Let me try this and let me try that. And you're going to need to put a brace here. And you just automatically start to instinctively know that sort of stuff as a kid and you having a talent for it, like building the construction. I totally believe like whenever you're passionate about something, you do something good. And when you start to turn that, like you speak about that stuff, it's going to be infectious no matter what, like I could never build, like I'm not a builder. I, I don't do home construction. I'm handy. Like, I've added on a room to our house. Right. But I'm not, I'm not a builder and, but it can be infectious for me to listen to somebody who's passionate about building, talk about it and then relate your stories to life. Like, I love that idea. It, that, it was exactly correct. You got to be who you are when you do this stuff. Yeah. Well, and from what I've been told, I'm very enthusiastic about my concepts. And so I do, uh, people tend to get pretty fired up about it, but like how well I present and how well I see all that through, that's a whole nother story. So it's definitely something I'm working on. The, the enthusiasm's there, but you need to make sure that the follow through and, the, and all the content really backs that up. Yeah. Yeah. The content has to be there. Like your ideas have to be proven and good and people still got to follow it. I mean, that's, that's one thing. Well, I guess they do, man. There's a lot of people that it's just all a bunch of fake crap out there. Like it's all oh, just, yeah, for sure. It, well, it, dude, we're all winging it. Anybody that will tell you otherwise doesn't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, one thing that I really like about it, speaking of winging it is you said the podcast, the, the website changed names a bunch of times. It seems like you're a dude that just pulls the trigger. Like I get an idea and I'm just going to do it and I take action on it and then work it out. Yeah. I, I, I mean, this, this past two years, I got to tell you, I mean, it's been a wild ride. I never would have, I mean, 
this is not who I am. I'm, I'm coming from that construction world. I'm much more comfortable swinging a hammer than any of this kind of stuff that we're doing. Um, but the calling and the, the need to get this stuff out there and like just to go for it, just to put yourself out there. And one thing I've never had a problem with is making a fool of my, out of myself and embarrassing myself and, and failing. So, um, I, n- I never looked at that as a positive before, but the more that I begin to understand some of these personal development concepts and wh- how all this process works, it's like, you got to fail your way forward. So now it makes me feel kind of okay that I'm such a bumbling idiot all the time, because it's like, that's part of the process. Right. So, you know, so that, that has been, you know, whether it be my social media or the podcast or, or any of this stuff, it's like, just going for it and just putting it out there. And I think the more we can do that, you know, yeah, we will get kicked in the nuts from time to time and things won't go according to plan, but we'll keep getting better. And, you know, the next time I do it, it'll, it'll be a little bit better than, than, than this time. And so eventually it'll come out. Right. Right. Dude. I love that failing forward. How cool. Like that's, you just got to keep failing forward. Just keep yeah. failing forward. You say it with like a big old smile on your face, man. That's so awesome. I love that. I love that idea. Like, Hey, today I'm just going to fail forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just to do a little bit, you know, just try that little bit and see what happens. And I'm all about those little baby steps and just, and just, you know, sticking it out there and something, you know, a lot of times it won't work out, but the few times it does, you pick up those little pieces that work and you just kind of keep moving forward and it'll all come together. Yeah. And then like your podcast, man, like your podcast is amazing. Like it's, it's very clear that that's been an evolution, you know, and the, and the guests that you're getting and what you're going through. I mean, it's just, it's so much fun to watch that. And that inspires people. You know, that's the coolest thing about our podcast and what we do is like a lot of times you don't feel the accolades and you don't get a lot of the feedback, you know, it's kind of like you're in this own, your own little world out there, but man, you are making a difference, dude. And you don't know it at the time, but if you just stick with it and you just keep plugging forward, it's like, dude, you're impacting people. And that's a, that's a really amazing thing. And let's see, I'm like the worst at taking compliments, but you know, when you're on, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you said it really good where, you're really trying to be good at something. And so you're constantly nitpicking and working on your craft and trying to figure out where I could do this better and that better. And, and where can I say this at the right time? Or how can I direct the conversation or, you know, dead air and the whole process, man. And then you've been like, we were talking about mixing stuff and I'm constantly that stuff. I'm not good at, like, I'm terrible. See, like you swinging the hammer. I'm good at talking. Like that's, I never thought that that would be a thing. Cause when I was young, not, I didn't hardly talk to anybody. They all, everybody thought I was a jerk, you know, until you hung out with me and he skated with me in the group. And then you're like, Oh, he's a silly goofball, you know? But now when I got older, I got a sales job. I talk all the time. I love it. I've figured out that I love just meeting people, talking to them, finding out what they're doing, what they're about. Like I'm interested in all of their stuff. And so like, this is what I'm good at. Techie stuff is not what I'm good at. I'll swing a hammer and I'll talk those two things I can do. This is super hard. So it's like, it's a big struggle for me to learn all of it. I don't have a producer, none of that. It's all done by me, you know, like you, it's all done by you. And so you have to be good. You have to at least wade your way through the stuff that's tough to get to a point where you can get a producer and you can get all this stuff. But to say it's impacting people is kind of wild, man. Like 
to think of it that way, coming from somebody outside of what I'm doing, like your podcast is impacting people just like mine is impacting people. I mean, if you're going to say that, there might as well be a mirror up there in front of you, you know? It's kind of wild to think about. Yeah, it is a trip. I mean, and that's where it kind of hit me was when I had people begin to reach out to me and to tell me, you know, like when you get those DMs and you get those direct communications from folks that are really impacted by what you're doing. And there are not a lot of them. Um, and there's so many. One of the things that's so interesting about social media is for every one comment or one like, there's 50 people that have actually seen what you're looking at or a hundred people that have actually seen what you're looking at. And most of them aren't going to say anything. Most of them are just going to keep to themselves and keep on scrolling or whatever. But even with those guys, like if you're consistent and if you've got that message and if you're on point, man, it matters. All those little things, they matter over time. And um, and it wasn't until I got some of that. Well, what was interesting to me was I got DMs from guests and those guests had been contacted by people who were on the show and had an impact. And there was like this connection or whatever, man, it's like when they got that, dude, that just solidified everything for me. It's like, it doesn't matter how bummed out I am or what I'm struggling with or what I'm going through. There's people that need this. There's people that are looking for this and there's people that are counting on this. And that's what I never realized is like, you know, you don't really see that in the numbers that people that are expecting that next podcast for you, the people that are hoping for that next episode. And it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, and when you do notice that, it makes you realize what you're doing is really important. You know, like the, the podcast that you're putting out there is important. And I just, I, it, it gets very easy for us. Like you said, we're one man rodeo. We got to do so much of this on our own. That's so uh, there, there's, there's no money in it. You know, like we're not getting rich, you know, this like, there's all these struggles that present themselves. And then you get the haters on top of that. You know, there's a lot of discouragement along the way. And so like whenever, anytime I get the opportunity to talk to you or any like Walker, like you were talking about before that are putting this stuff out there, I just, I want to be so encouraging because I see a lot of people stop, you know, but I had one friend, Amanda, who's kind of backed off of her podcast. I'm like, please don't do that. You have no idea that there's somebody that's dying because you're not putting that content out there anymore. And um, we, we don't realize it, but man, we do make a difference. You make a difference in everything that you're doing. People are paying attention, whether you know it or not. If you do it for that reason, if you do it for the reasons that all the reasons that you said, I think you'll keep going. Yeah. Like, because like you said, it takes, before you make any money at doing anything like this, like, it's like, well, you're in real estate. Imagine like real estate agents. I looked into being one one time, how long it takes for them to make money. They don't just jump into it and start making money. Most of them live in their parents' basement for five years until they start actually making a, you know, a good living. You know, they go through that, that sucky part of working, but they love what they do. This is anything else like this. You have to do it so much and you've got to go through, you know, that part where you may not make money at the end of the journey. Like, so it better be a rewarding thing that you're going to sit there and make, cut the time out of your schedule away from your family, supportive spouse, um, you name it, you know, pump the money into it that you can figure out ideas. I think anything in life that you're going to go do, whatever job it is, whatever business 
you've got to have like if that meant if that's your mentality you're going to do it for the right reasons and you're going to continue to pursue it and you're going to be happy yeah i think that's such a, i mean podcasting has become such a popular thing to do now like everybody's got to have their podcast to supplement whatever it is that they're doing and i think that's great i mean i'm all about I, 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 the more podcasts, the better. I, I think the more that we're putting content out there, I'm all for that. But so many people jump into the podcasting world, not really fully understanding and what that level of commitment is. And I always tell people like, you know, those, everybody's got those first 10 episodes figured out really well. But if you're really in it for the long haul, what is number, what is episode number 100 look like? If you've really thought that far out, you know, if you're really thinking about that long term and if, and if, and again, if you're, if you're in it to, to do it, you know, if you're in it just to make money, <laughs> you will not last. There's no way you'll survive in this game. If, if you're, if it's just about the money, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. You have to have a love for it or else you'll quit. You won't make it. Yeah. And, and what you said being like, you know, impacting people's lives. If one, per, the rewarding fact part of it is like, I'm putting myself in your shoes and getting a message from that person. You impacted those people, you know, and I've got messages before, but that, that reward of, they don't know you, they have nothing to do. Like they don't really even care that much about you right now. Right. You're just a, you're just a vessel to get the guest message out and to have somebody be affected by that right there. And you just facilitated it that's the reward in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, it's been so cool to me. Like I had one guest who's a, he's a winemaker and um, he works at a winery and that's, that's what he does. And then I had another guest that has a charity and those two guests because of the show linked up together and they did this little charity thing and the, and the wine guy sold a shit ton of wine and the, the, the charity got a big fat check at the end of it. So it was like a win, win, win. And it spread the word all along the way. And it was all because of, they just happened to be guests on the show. So it was like, I didn't have anything to do with any of that, but like the cosmos aligned and everything kind of just came together for it to all work. And it's like, dude, that's really what it's all about. Like, how many times can we recreate that? How many times can we use this platform and what we're doing to put those people in place, you know, to, to give those people an opportunity to connect, you know, to, to, to further themselves along their journey? I mean, because that's really what it's all about. Like, even when I ran my own business as a general contractor, I always wanted to know what my guys long-term vision was where do you want to be in 10 years i hope you don't want to still be working for me in 10 years because that's not a very good plan where do you want to go what is it that you want to do what kind of life do you want to have 10 years from now and let's start now today planting the seeds to get you there and that and i think that that's so important regardless of whatever field that you're in whether it be podcasting or construction or whatever it's like how are you going to make those guys better how are you going to evolve to that next level how are you going to continue to improve to get to where it is you ultimately want to be dude that's such an interesting that's the that's not always the normal business owner mentality we i know my my family brought me up in that sort of way. Like my grandpa, my dad, that's some of the messages I heard when I was a kid, when we grew up in a family business of what they said to their employees, you know, people would come to my dad for a raise, like really good employees or my grandpa. And they would say, Hey, I got this job offer. I really want to stay here, but I got this job offer making all this money. And he'd go, take it. I mean, I can't, you, you've reached your limit here. 
it's time for you to go do something else. They were like, just tell me to quit. And it's like, no, I want to keep you, but why am I going to stop you from bettering? But you I want to hold you back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's refreshing to hear that. I think the world definitely needs way more of that right now. Like way more of that attitude of, of like, I don't want to say paying it forward, but wanting to see others succeed almost more than like, than yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the name of the game. Honestly, it is. I mean, if you're holding somebody back because it's benefiting you, I mean, you're doing that person a disservice, you know, it's, it's just, it's not right. That's, that's a, I, I dig that. I dig that part of, you know, your attitude and what you're doing. It's like, you're a special human, man. Oh. In all the best ways, you're a special human. You know, I for, for can't tell you how much I appreciate that. that question, <laughs> no, hey, I mean, you said it, like, it just comes out, like you went on a rant and then it just popped out. You know, that's what, that's one thing I love about having these conversations that if you can get down into the real person where you're just like sitting there having a conversation with somebody like, man, you see so many cool things. Like that's a perspective now that's going to stick in my mind whenever I'm doing something. It's like, Hey, I hope you don't want to work here for 10 years. You know, I've said that a lot of times, but like now it's just going to stick in my head more because hearing it from somebody who ran a general contractor business and all that, you're like, Hey, don't work for, I don't want you here in 10 years. Find something else to do that's better than this. Your life is, needs to be better than this. Well, the whole concept behind the, the website and, and really, honestly, the podcast too, it's all about lifestyle design. And I think that, you know, it doesn't have to be about money. Money is important and that all those things matter. But like whether you're a garbage man picking, picking up trash off the street or you're working at McDonald's or, or you've got a CEO job, you're, you're really you're living that life of what you, what you thought was supposed to be that ideal lifestyle or whatever. But what I always encourage people to do is take some time to figure out what it is that you actually want. What are the th- and that that's a that's the first step in the eight keys to great is identifying the the things that you actually want. What is it that is important to you? And then once you can identify those things, then you can begin to craft this lifestyle that supports that. And that lifestyle doesn't have to be being a multimillionaire. It doesn't have to be fame and fortune and all these different things. If you like to go fishing and you're a big bass guy and that's that's your thing, then there's a way to craft a lifestyle that 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 uh supports that that allows you to spend two or three days on the on the lake every week you know doing your thing you know or whether you know if you like to whatever it is whatever your whatever it is that that checks those boxes for you there's a way to craft a lifestyle to support that and that's what really the eight keys to great is all about is identifying what is it you want? And then let's go through these steps that makes every single day a, a perfect vision of what that looks like. We all think uh, we're going to work all this. We're going to do this until we retire at 65. And then at 65, now we're going to get to go live that life. Well, what's stopping you from living that life now? You know, you can, you can be slinging fries at McDonald's and craft a lifestyle that you love within a matter of 90 days, but you got to identify what it is that, that is that you want to, to, to support that. And going through that process is a very, 
it's a uh, it's a mind opening, a mind expanding process. And we, we, we think we know what we want. We think we know what's important to us. But when you actually go through the process and write it down and put it on paper and go through all those, go through the motions, then you begin to realize what you thought was important, maybe not be, be quite as important as what you thought. And so you can start to now identify what is it that is important and then put the things in place to allow you to live that kind of life every single day. The deciphering, that's one tough thing. Whenever I hear, like I heard you say that and I'm like, I wonder what your idea is on how you find what you want because I've been there and I've done it. I know what worked for me and it's still like a process, right? But I'm figuring it out. I'm building this positive momentum and it's going in this direction because I figured out what worked and I had to stick with like this mental thing. So what I did was I was having the hardest time and it's in a, you know, like, like a dark spot. I'm like, I don't like, I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like everything around me because everything is just like, it's just stress everywhere. And I want to do something I enjoy for a living. I want to do this. I want to do that. So what I started doing, I was like, finally, I told myself, I'm going to start looking for opportunities. I mean, I know what I want to do right now. I don't know what I want to do. I'm not a professional baseball player. I'm not a professional rollerblader. Those two things are out the window. If I can't do that, then I don't know what I want to do. So how do I figure that out? Just keep my eyes open for opportunity. I'm just going to practice that. That's what I told myself. And slowly I noticed like my mood start to change and then things, work started getting better where I'm at. And then all these opportunities started to come out and I'm going, oh, now I'm getting how to find this. Now I'm getting the message from myself. Like, this is how I do that right there. And so hearing you talk about it brought all those memories back in, like that fundamental that I created for myself, but like that way. But it was a struggle, man. You can tell people all the time, find what you're passionate about. Like, I've been working this office job that I don't, I don't know. I've just done this for 15 years. This is habit. Yeah. Well, I tell you, there's a great resource that's out there. It's called, there's a book out there by Cal Newport and it's called so good. They can't ignore you. And it's actually a quote by Steve Martin originally. And you know, there's this whole concept of follow your passion, follow what, you know, makes your, what makes you tick or whatever. And I think there's some, there's some significance there, but there's also an aspect of get good at something. You know, like we can't all be yoga instructors. We can't all be rock climbers or, you know, like kayakers or whatever. Like my buddy runs a kayaking outfit out of uh, Stanley, Utah. And it's amazing whitewater rafting. It's this amazing, awesome thing. But we can't all do that. You know, there's not enough of those jobs out there for all of us. So I like what I liked about that was when, when he, when I read that book, it was okay. Well, for me, it was that construction element. There was this thing where I just, I'm good with my hands. I like to build stuff. So that just all kind of fits for my, for who I am, for my personality. Well, that book just breaks down. It's like, figure out what you're good at and then go get really, really, really good at that one thing. And as you continue to improve at that one thing, then what you're passionate about, those opportunities will show up as a result of you being good at that one thing. And he used the example of um, 
I think it was like being a really good doctor or something. And like this really, this doctor wanted to, you know, make an impact on the world and, and, you know, make a big difference or whatever, but he was just a doctor. Well, th- th- being the best um, cataract eye surgeon that, that was out there, he ultimately got these opportunities to then go do cataract surgeries over in China. And, and literally like in one day, they do like a thousand operations or something ridiculous where they would like remove the cataracts off of all these people and like make this huge dramatic impact. But he never would have been able to do that if he hadn't gotten really, really good at cataract surgery. And so it's like, figure out what it is that you're good at, hone that craft and then the, the purpose will present itself. The, those opportunities will then arise because you're good at what, you're, at what you do, because you're master of your domain. When you're really good at what you're doing, people will find you. They'll start coming to you to provide that service to others. Dude, I think you need to be like a public speaker. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we found like a good calling right there, man. Somebody needs to hit you up, like to go speak to schools or something. That's like, it's a fantastic process, a way to go, man. Do, oh, do you I'm ever, grateful. Thank has you. Anybody reached out, has anybody reached out to you like for this eight keys to great? Just hearing, we just cut, we're on the first key and I'm inspired already, man. This is awesome. So like, <laughs> has anybody, have any schools or anything like that reached out to you or any people for public speaking in this eight keys to great thing or is that something that you're willing to pursue down the line? Oh, sir. I mean, it is certainly the long-term goal. Um, no, I mean, I, I've, I've had a few opportunities to pr- uh, present on, um, I've got a concept of the, the three habits in 30 minutes. It's like a morning routine kind of thing. And I've presented on that a few times. Um, and I've been able, I've been very blessed to be on other podcasts as well. And I've got to share um, some of the eight keys to great concepts out there, but it's still so young and the, the website's still constantly evolving and growing. Um, I'm certainly looking for more opportunities to share that, but um, not yet. Knock on wood. 2021, right? You need to get, it needs to get in the right person's ear, man, at the right time. Because yeah. I think like if it just hits right, I think this would be beneficial for people to hear, especially like, I don't know why I immediately thought like you're, if you get them more like at a younger age where you can tell them that there's things that are possible other than what they think is the norm, like they can start exploring what really like help, like being good at something, getting good at something and just, and then other things will happen on top of that. It's so true. That's the way almost everything happens, right? So when you said that, it brought all the way back to that thing. Like, I love this podcast. It brought a self-reflection type of thing, I guess, if you want to go that kind of, you know, wooey wooey or whatever. But I'm like, I love this podcast. And I, I've said out loud before, I would love to do something that makes me a living. Something like this. If something branches off of it, I'm keeping my eyes open for that opportunity. That ties right into what you just said. And I'm like, Am I doing the right thing? Nate says I am. Okay, yes. cool. Yes, you are for <laughs> sure. For sure. And it, like, again, it may not be financially lucrative at this point, but when you have that passion, when you have that commitment, it'll all come full circle. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I hope you get, I really hope you start getting into some public speaking stuff. Cause I think it's a, I think uh, like, man, with everything that's going on and the wackiness of news and, what people are ingesting in there. That's one thing that Rick Thorne episode, 
one thing that impacted me a lot, I think about it all the time, is that he went to sleep with headphones on with these positive things like positive books and positive things in his ears while he's sleeping. And you think it sounds weird. That dude's the most positive dude you can listen to. And so I'm like, man, I just need to ingest all of the, all of the things that say you can figure it out, you know, be tough, make it through it. Like there's things on the other side, you're going to go through some suck, but it's going to be great. Like I need all that to come in versus like, it's terrible. They're going to ruin the country. They're going to ruin this. Things are going to close down forever. And I need to push that away and just be like in this zone. And I've done that like over my little two week break, no news, nothing about what's going on. I didn't know what COVID was going on. I didn't know what election stuff was going on. And you weren't a bit worse off for not knowing, were you? The life is the same outside my door, man. Exactly. Life's the same. Well, first of all, before we get off on a tangent, let me just say I was completely jealous of you getting Rick Thorne on your show. Rick Thorne is a a personal hero of mine. I've known that. I I had the opportunity. We we talked a little bit about this online, but um, I got the opportunity to meet him like in the early 90s. They came through and did a a tour. They, They were hitting all the Six Flags parks. And, um, you know, obviously he's a biker BMX guy. And, but we took him out to downtown Atlanta and did this rad session and had just this, you know, back in those days, there was a lot of hate coming out towards the rollerbladers and in our community with the skateboarding and whatnot. And Rick was just such a cool dude. And it was the first uh, real session I had with a BMX guy, you know, with, with somebody who wasn't a skater or whatever. And it was just such a cool vibe. And, and to get to see him on your podcast and to see all that come full circle, I'm like, man, that son of a gun got Rick on the podcast. I've been reaching out to him for months and he hadn't returned my call. And you hear you got him locked in. So that was an amazing thing. And he said he is a solid dude. And um, kudos to him and to you both for, um, for that amazing interview. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. He took over. You don't have to interview that guy. Just say, hey. Yeah, he kind of goes on cruise control. He just hit record and just let him cut loose. (laughs) Yeah, just hit record and let him talk and you just sit there, man. Because, I mean, I don't want to mess him up. He's like, he's on the flow. Like, go for it, dude. Yeah, he gets in his groove for sure. He gets into his rut. Yeah. Well, I got a question for you, too, because one of your episodes in your podcast was – like you did, I, and I don't know how deep you want to go into it and we don't have to get political about it as far as that goes, but you did a very good podcast and will explain on mask and COVID and the situation back then. And you having it, you know, your family situation is, is a sensitive issue to all that's going on. Right. So I think that's where I got most impacted by it. It wasn't even a political thing. It's like, here's a guy who's, open up and talking about something sensitive on every angle. So it's like, you're being super vulnerable in that episode. You went, here's my family. Here's the situation. You know, we're more susceptible to illness and, but this is the way we believe in what we think. And I'm not telling you that this is how you have to think. I'm saying this is from my perspective, how we deal with it and what goes on. I think that was like, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was a great episode. Right. I really appreciate I that. I never know what it's like. Yeah. I never know what it's no, like. That, 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 that uh, means a lot. Cause that was a very 
And, and I mean, COVID is a, is a, is a hot topic and, and I, I try not to get too political with anything as much as possible. Cause anytime you do that, you tend to alienate some aspect of your audience. Um, but, but with the COVID stuff, um, it just, it was really important to me to get something out there. And, and I can't tell you how much that I appreciate those comments because I really, it was very important to me to present my thoughts in the most, I guess, humble manner or, or just in a way that was not confrontational or, or, or trying to be again, political or, or, or anything like that, but just, but I did feel like that there was an important message that needed to be shared. And that's only compounded since I put that episode out there. I was about to ask, like, did you, that's, I guess that's where I was getting to with it. Is it, did it affect your audience? Did your audience have negative feedback to it? Like, you know, because it is such a sensitive issue where no matter what you think, it's kind of weird. You can't have an opinion or talk about it. Like I, 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 I would rather be friends with some, I'm friends with people who believe mask all the time, go inside, you know, my brother's that way. And then, then there's people like me, that's a little bit of a gunslinger. Like, dude, I'm, I don't know, you know, like, that's just the way I'm in. It's the way I'm built, but I actually don't hate on anybody for their viewpoint because nobody knows anything. Um, so I was wondering if you've got any backlash from sharing that. And also on top of that, this is two questions in one pretty much. But does it do you there's a way you're handling it with the sensitivity of like and people are going to have to listen to the episode to understand that the sensitivity of the illnesses in your household, with your kids and stuff. Um, did that ever did that raise their confidence the way you are handling the situation all the way around? It's hard to say. Um, I will say I was very pleased at how I presented my arguments or my perspective within the podcast. I think that I spent some time and some effort drafting that out and trying to put my thoughts into a cohesive manner. Now, since then I'm a social media guy and I post on social media probably more than I should. And I tend to be passive aggressive and all that kind of stuff. So I have gotten some blowback certainly on social media for some of those posts and for what, you know, what I tend to put out there. But that being said, um, I think because I took the time and the effort to present the podcast in a very level-headed and and thoughtful manner, I actually didn't. I was I was expecting to to receive some blowback from that episode, and I was prepared for it. And I, you know, kind of knew what what could possibly happen from all that. But surprisingly, there was very little, if almost none, uh, negativity or, or or negative pushback from the episode. But certainly, like I said, some of my posts and some of my stuff since then has not, I haven't gone into it as sensitive as I probably should have and not probably put the thought into, you know, some of, you know, and, and for what it's worth, Gwinnett County, where I live, um, they just put out a thing today where they've suspended uh, in-person learning starting next week. They've decided to go back to a digital oh, learning format. Man. And it just was so incredibly disappointing and so incredibly frustrating when I see the reality of what's going on in my community and, and, and the reality of my situation. And I've, and I've been such a, 
big fan of living in the state of Georgia and our governor and how he's handled the situation and all that. And now to see us kind of backpedal and to continue to buy into some of the narratives that um, don't necessarily ring true to me. Um, it's, it's tough. It's really, really hard. And, and I want to be mad. I want to be frustrated and I want to um, push back, you know, a little bit probably more than I should. Um, but I've, I, I try to constantly keep in mind all the different perspectives that are out there, all the different people that are being impacted. And that's why I was so adamant about expressing the specific needs of my family and the specific challenges that we have, because, you know, so many times when you see somebody push back or you, you see somebody who disagrees with your opinion, well, you just make all these assumptions. And I want to make sure that some of those assumptions weren't made as I tried to present that argument, but I don't know how, how effective I've been with that because like I said, we continue to kind of backslide a little bit and for what it's worth, like the state of California and I've got friends in New York and what's going on in those places absolutely terrifies me. Oh yeah. I think that's, that's the scariest part is that part, like that situation there and not being in control of it, obviously. But the, you bring up the reason I asked the kid thing was, is because when this whole thing started, the most important thing to us, like was when we thought about it was this is our chance to show our kids how we react in a time like this. And so you, like you say, you want to be mad. I want to be mad. You know, uh, I want, I've got ideas. Sure. I've got thoughts running through my head where common sense has to come into play at some point, right? Use your common sense. Like none of it makes sense what you're doing. And why are you forcing it on people? I want to, I want to say a bunch of things along with what I just said right there. But I also then take a step back out of that anger and go, okay, I mean, I have no control over it. Other people are looking at it a different way than I do. So this is my chance to show the kids how you handle adversity. Like what it's like to go through a tough time and how you get through the other side. You don't let this little speed bump derail where your family's going. Absolutely. Well, and, and, I, and we've been really fortunate where we are and in our situation personally, where my kids have actually been very minorly affected by this whole set of circumstances. And we've done and I've personally tried to do everything I can to not let them be impacted by this event, to let them carry on as much as normal and, and to go through the normal routines and the normal habits, and normal behaviors um, and living a normal life. And we've been incredibly blessed that we've been able to do that where we are. And, and my kids have, I mean, they barely even understand the impact of some of this and what all, all the other things that are going on and their lives have been minimally impacted. And that's been such a key thing for me is like, let's make this as minimally impactful as possible for them. And we've been lucky enough that that's been the case. That's really awesome, man. And to go on your social media, first off, I don't know why anybody gets mad at you. You're just picking up littering. Like that's all you're doing is picking up where people are throwing trash on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't get too much blowback for that one. There's been some other posts that I've put out there that are a little, maybe a little bit more jaded and pointed. And, and for what it's worth, I've, I've gone through some personal struggles this last month or two. So I've gotten a little passive aggressive on social media. But in hindsight, as we've walked into the new year and as I've tried to understand and make sense of this crazy chaos that we're living in, um, the one thing that 
I've reflected on often is the people that I count on, particularly on social media, the people that I look to as that kind of rock, you know, when all of this is going on and all the craziness, they just kept on plugging away. They never stopped their message. They never stopped what they were doing. They never stopped their process, what their goals were. They just Rodney, um, getting his last name, Rodney, something or another. He's a guy that's out of Huntsville, Alabama. And he's got this thing that, um, where he mows grass for people. And he, and he challenges kids to mow 50 yards. I can't believe I'm forgetting his last name, Rodney. It's going to kill me. I can't believe I'm blowing it here, but he he's hooked up with Lay's potato chips. He's got a sponsorship. Now he's got doing some great things. And any kid that mows 50 yards, he actually drives to their house and delivers a brand new lawnmower leaf blower and like a weed eater. And all these uh, uh, brand new, like he drives to their home and gives it to them. And it's just a, this amazing thing. And when through all of this, particularly when we were going through a lot of the black lives matter and the protests and, and, you know, everything's just kind of gotten just so upside down that guy, dude, you didn't see one post about any, like all he did was keep promoting his message, keep doing this thing, keep plugging on. And, and I realized like, Man, I counted on that. Like when everybody else, like Jim Gaffigan is a comedian that I love and I, I'm so into his stuff and he's a hilarious guy. And he went and got political. He went and got all tr- anti-Trump. And, and I don't care if you like Trump or you don't, don't like Trump, whatever, whatever your politics are, I could honestly care less. But when you throw that into who you are and into, into your entertainment value, it just turns me off automatically. And so like Gaffigan, he turned me off, but this Rodney doing his thing and keep plugging away and keep sending out his message, that positive thing. It made me realize, okay, well, that's who I need to be. I need to be putting out that. I need to be consistent. Why am I getting caught up? Why do I want to alienate part of my audience with pissing them off about how I feel about masks? How, why not, why am I not putting out a positive message that's uplifting a Democrat, uplifting a Republican, uplifting a libertarian, whoever it is, let me uplift that individual. And if I'm doing that, then forget it. Then the, then the politics will eventually go away. People will be able to put that aside and focus on what's truly important. Man, <laughs> that is so well said right there. That's exactly what everybody should be striving for. Like, and you're exactly right. I, and, and what I see when I, when I see Gaffigan do that, I guess I try to look at, I've always tried to look at myself in other person's shoes and understand like they're not like me. So try to get inside their brain, right? Like the best I can is all I can do is try to see it. What I see is that it's just a reaction from the stress of being locked up, man. You know, you're on the, I guess he's on the East coast or he's on the, you know, he's New he's York city with five up. kids. You in the city, completely locked down. There's no wonder he's losing it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's not it. And you can, he may have, he's going to lean a direction one way or the other, not hating on that at all. Right. But some of the way he's talking, it comes off like, dude, this dude is just stressed out over the situation. Like he's, he's exploding, you know, where the other people like this Rodney guy, are like, dude, I've seen some freaking times in my life. And the only way to get through it is to just keep plugging, you know, and that those people right there, are the ones you lean on uh, man search for meaning is my favorite book for that exact reason. Oh, I don't know if you've ever yes. Read it. Very cool. Oh. I, 
I would suggest big fan, read huge fan. The, it, I sat there, I read it and then I would read a chapter over. I would read the chapter twice before I got done with the book. Like, I'm like, I need to read that again. I need this story. Utter because, brilliance. Yeah. It, to go through the things that he went through and to have that attitude to be like, how can I affect my life in here? I'm like, whoa, nobody thinks that. Who thinks that? Like, who came up can with Can you imagine? That's incredible. And it made me yeah. feel like, dude, you're so you've got so much more left to go to learn how to get to that spot. Yeah. You need to keep working, man. Because that book is probably like, the I'm most humbling experience you could go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like guys like him, dude, that's, that's, that's where you need to be. And guys like Rodney, I, I mean, you, it was well said, dude. Uh, Rodney Smith jr. That's his name. Rodney Smith jr. Check him Rodney out on, Smith, on Instagram. All right. All right, I'm going to go find him and then I'll put him out on Instagram too and say like, this is what we talked about on the podcast. Awesome. So, yeah. I mean, I, to be honest with you, he's, I'd, I'd love to get him on the podcast. He's actually a goal of mine to get him on there. Amazing. There you go. Have you asked him yet? I've reached out to him on social media, but you know, I mean, he's, he, he kind of got big time. He, he's exploding right now. So it's a, uh, it's probably a tough road to hoe, but we'll get there. Yeah. He probably hasn't even seen your message then. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> But hey, I got to give kudos to you. I was going through your stuff and um, I would love to know about your triathlon experience, you know, being an, coming from the Ironman world and all that. I, I, I mean, you know, we've got that skating connection or whatnot, but I'd love to hear about your, uh, how you got into the world of triathlon and dipped your toe into that little arena. Oh, I love doing new things. Like I love, uh, it's something that I see something I go, Ooh, that looks like fun. I want to try that. Like, so I see dudes that are doing triathlons and I'm like, man, they're really in shape. It looks really hard. I want to know if I can do that. So that's all that that was. Like, I want to know if I, I've never been a runner. I've never been a swimmer, like a competitive swimmer. I can swim. I've surfed, you know, all that good stuff in the ocean, but that's different. Whoever even says that they're like, oh, I can swim in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, so I'll get, I can get to that in a second, but like, I, uh, that's basically how I started. And I, we were on vacation in Florida and I saw a triathlon dude go out there and go swim a mile and he took off and I go, man, I'd like to try one of those. And you can't say that out loud with my wife. Cause she's like, you gotta go do it now. So, um, I said, I like her already. Goes, really? I go, yeah. So she signed me up. So I had one. So then I had to train for it. And I had to go swim and I quickly learned the most humbling thing in my arsenal was trying to competitive swim. I'm like not an outer shape guy, right? I, I'm swimming is so hard, man. My, my, my stepdaughter who, uh, she competitive swims. They swim what? 1200 meters in warm up, No problem. She's out there giggling and bouncing around. I swim 250 and I'm sucking air and I'm like, I'm not that bad. Why am I breathing so hard? Like, what is this business going on? I don't even know. But I love it. You know, I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was a fantastic experience. The people around the triathlon world were so inviting and friendly. Um, Riding a bike. I rode bikes as a kid. I can ride a bike. Riding a bike was no problem. The run, I didn't know how I was going to feel when I got off the bike. I actually ran faster. (laughs) That sounds weird. Isn't that funny? But I ran faster the whole 
Um, funny. It's a funny thing about me. I'm super competitive when I do stuff. So I seem silly, but I'm very competitive and I slowest swim in the, like it was a slow swim. It was faster than I ever did in any of my other stuff, but it was still way super slow. <laughs> Not a good swim time. Get on my bike. I just run out, get on my bike. Like I'm going fast and I'm ready to go. And I'm not tired because I didn't swim that fast, you know? So I'm going, I have a flat on my bike. Ah, your first race? I, that I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. First race. <laughs> and so I run it to the, the little thing. He fixes my tire. I get back on. I'm trying to make up time on the bike. And I forget that I'm supposed to drink water. <laughs> and I just keep going and I'm like passing people. And I'm like, I get literally like the turn. They're flagging me. Like if it's your second time around the loop, you're going in here. And I go, Oh man, I got a full water bottle. I better drink something before I run. (laughs) And so I took like two squirts of the water bottle, right? Put it back down. And I'm like, well, now I got to run. I don't even grab. I had a, my friend that I did it with gave me a bunch of snacks. You're going to need this energy. You're going to need that didn't pick up a doggone thing. I just grabbed my stuff and I ran. Like I just dumped the bike and I'm running and I'm talking to everybody along the way. And I'm ch- like, I'm like every person there, I'm just having a blast. Right. My calf started to cramp up. I could feel in the first like 400 meters. And so I had to run like a, at a pace where it wasn't going to cramp or whatever and start that mess because of lack of water. But, um, I ended up running pretty quick for the group. Um, only a few people passed me. And one of those was a lady who won first place in her age division. So, nice. uh, and I told her, I go, you better pass me. You better pass me. You're running fast. Cause we crossed paths this way. I go, you're running super fast. You better pass me before I get to the finish line. And she did, <laughs> she did like right before, but that whole experience was uh, mentally. I hit a zone on the run where it was kind of fun because it was almost relaxing in a weird sort of way. Like on the run part was super duper relaxing and um, I loved it. And I got done. I'm like, dude, I'm fired up. I can go do some more. Like I I love this. So I would definitely do another one. I, I for sure need some swim training though. If it's a longer (laughs) one, I need swim training um, for sure. I can swim the distance. I'll just, man, I'll be, did you do I an mean, Olympic your first battle. one or what, what was the distance? No, no. I just did a sprint. sprint. Did a sprint. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big one. I, I didn't, I knew my swimming capabilities and I was like, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew on that. The bike and the run is fine. Like the, that part, there's only so much the mental part can do for you in a swim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for what it's worth, swimming, I breaststroked my entire first my first triathlon i breaststroke the entire thing i couldn't i tried to freestyle i couldn't i couldn't do it couldn't do it literally breaststroking the whole way my neck was all extended out like all worn out from sticking my neck out but i got through it though it got better from there yeah you know what's really weird about it if you think about it, like these things that attract me like that, the thing that attracted me to skating and the thing that I like, I mean, I've never loved something, an activity more than that. Awesome. Like it's, it, I live, eat, sleep, breathe it, man. I mean, like I was in it 
And, uh, and the thing that got me into it was actually splitting a rail on my tailbone. Huh. It's the very first time I tried it. And I got like, these guys had this rail and they set it down and I, I just rented rollerblades cause I BMX all the time. Right. And I was like, well, let's try these rollerblades things out. They're kind of fun. They're cool to cruise on the pair of TRS lightnings. And they, these guys were carrying this rail. I just happened to see them. And there's like five of them, this little practice rail. And they set it up at this mall. And I go, let's go check that out. Me and my buddy. And we go over there and I watch them and they wax this thing up. And that thing is like fast, man. And they're just sliding <laughs> down. And I've never done it before. And I, I go, I want to try that. And they go, okay, cool. So I go up and they show me what to do. And then I go up and I hit it. My feet go straight up in the air. I land on my tailbone right in the middle of it. Wham, super hard. I roll to the side and I go, dude, I want to do this. This is awesome. <laughs> it's exactly what I did. And then I got up and tried it again and again. And I, and I was hooked from their sense. But that's the moment I, like, I can see it in my head perfectly clear of like when I go, oh, dude, this is awesome. But why is that moment that way? I, some wires missing up in my head. <laughs> so crazy. It's so funny you say that because the very first time I went rollerblading I was in Oklahoma before I moved to Georgia and met Tom and Frankie and Andy and all those guys. And, and Tom is the one who indoctrinated me into, into inline skates. But before I, before I knew him, I lived in Oklahoma and my very first time on a set of skates, we were hitting this little, uh, this little lip and I didn't even own a pair of skates. My buddy just let me try his on and first try I broke my arm. <laughs> completely flipped out my oh, no. feet went up my underneath me landed on the arm my first broken bone ever and and for whatever reason like you said i was addicted ever since like as soon as that happened that it was game on i've been hurt myself Dude, ever since you leveled up <laughs> right Dude, speaking of like fortunate things those names you just listed it's like man if you're in that world it's it's an honor to be able to be around those guys man you're like you kind of in like the Mecca of, you know, all the stuff that was cool and rad. And we were talking like about Kevin Dowling episode, like you've known him forever. And it's like, man, all these people, Atlanta and Georgia itself, this has a crazy cool scene, man, that you got. To Thanks to Tom, That's man. Pretty cool. Yeah, those guys, um, <laughs> for what it's worth, Tom and Andy and Frankie and I all graduated from high school together. And um, obviously Tom and Andy were the you know, kind of head and shoulders above the rest of us as far as skill level and whatnot. But um, the year we graduated from high school, 1994, um, Tom or Tom and, uh, and Andy flew out to California and me and Frankie hopped in the, his Nissan stands or whatever it was and literally drove out to Venice Beach and hooked up with the NIST guys and Mark Shays and all those guys and spent the summer uh, in Venice beach and got to stay with Angie to daily bread. And, um, that oh, summer wow. that we graduated from high school and went and did that, did the first NIST tournaments and what would ultimately become the, the X games and all that absolutely just changed my life. It absolutely just, it's such a incredible memory for me that I will always remember. And I'm so grateful that for whatever reason, the stars aligned and all that came together and it just transformed me. I'm, I, I, I'm not an amazing rollerblader. I've never been super um, 
in, embedded in the, I mean, I worked for skate pile back in the day and, and got to run their retail store. And thanks to uh, Tom for bringing me in for all that. And um, you know, I've, I've, I've always kind of been on the outside looking in to the industry. Well, I mean, I was in the industry, but like, not like those guys were, but to be a part of that and to know all that history and to be able to reflect on that. I just feel incredibly blessed and incredibly grateful that I get to say that I was there for so many of those, like be love hardened, like the hoax too. And, and Arlo and all those guys, like I remember going to out to Cali and, and staying with um, Arlo and Michael Palak. And they had this giant half pipe in their backyard. And that's literally all their backyard was with this giant half pipe that we were skating and stuff. And just to look and reflect back on all those memories, man, it's like, that's something I will cherish forever. You know what? And we can end the podcast on this for sure, because it ties back in. It's your ability to just pull the trigger and do what you love, man. I mean, who lo- you had a choice back then to load up into that Nissan and drive out to California from wh- where were you at the time? Oklahoma. We were in Georgia. We were, we were in Atlanta, Georgia. We graduated from Chattahoochee high school in 1994. And within a week we were hitting the road and heading out to Cali. 3,000 miles. In an 3,000 miles, man. You're, you're literally like looking at 24 hours of driving back then, for sure. To oh, it took there. us four days to get there and three and a half to get back. But yeah. But I, I will always remember that trip. And I will always, I mean, if there's one piece of advice or anything that I could give to the listeners out there and to people that are doing, you know, into this kind of stuff, it's like just get out there and do it. Just do. Because if you, if you do like all of the opportunities I've had in my life, it's when I just kind of stuck my neck out there and just kind of went for it and just kind of made that commitment and put myself out there, whether it be driving out to California or, you know, starting a new business or even with the podcast and and the, and the personal development space that I've been in this last year or two, it's just, it's not going to, it's not going to be pretty. But when you put yourself out there and you just go for it, um, it's incredibly rewarding. And I have no regrets from that. And I'm incredibly grateful for every one of those opportunities that came my way. Right on, man. Well, let everybody know where they can find everything, the address, the website, your social media, all that good stuff. So if you want to check out the eight keys to great and the, and the uh, podcast and all that kind of stuff, it's um, eight, the, the number eight keys the number two great.com or.net either one will get you to the website um social media i've got the extraordinary podcast um, i've got eight keys to great um you can find me there my my personal handle is at mo hotness um you, you can jump on that if you want to but anybody that all i ask is that you check out the podcast and if you find it at all interesting or, or compelling just um subscribe and share it with your friends yeah, that's the one thing we'll both tell you right now and what I've learned. Nothing affects a podcast or anything on social media or anything this hard work that you're doing. It's free of charge. It's free to the public to support them. Like it, rate it, subscribe, and share it, man. Share it on your social media. Put a post out about it. Comment on it. Nothing helps out more. So if you just take the few moments to do that, you have just made our day. 
Very we, true. Yeah, I mean, know. most of us that that aren't doing this professionally, if you're just a, a casual user of social media or, or any, in any of those platforms, um, a lot of us don't take the time to think about um, commenting or likes. You know, we really kind of look at that from a, a skewed perspective. But from a producer and from someone who's making content, you and I both, um, we live in that space of constantly putting new content out there. It is vitally important to all of us that you guys give us that feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. I always tell people I'm looking for the reviews on iTunes in particular, but you don't have to give me a five-star review. You can give me a one-star review. Just give me your feedback. I want to know if you think I suck, tell me so. I have no problem with negative feedback. I just want the feedback. And, and, you know, for us, the only way that we get better is from that feedback and, and, and the likes and the subscribes and all that kind of stuff are obviously incredibly important to helping us grow our businesses. So yeah, anytime that you can do that, by all means, shout out to the uh, nine, five, nine, five, five adventures podcast. Cause we need all the likes we can get. I just I butchered that it, all over the I place. We have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Trying to give a proper no, shout perfect. out, but it didn't work out very well. It was perfect, dude. It was perfect. It was exactly it. It's right on par with me bumbling around, but yeah, that's who I am. You know, so that's, awesome. that's how we roll, right? Well, hey, for what it's worth, Aaron, I'm I'm so grateful for what you're doing. And to to like, I, I found your podcast originally when you interviewed my buddy Tom Heiser, and um, that was when you first kind of showed up on my radar. Um, but I've been able to dig into your some of your content from there. And to see someone else that's aligned with so many of the aspects of what's important to me, it's so incredibly rewarding and so grateful to have another guy out there kind of trying to do what we do. It's really cool. Well, this is one of my favorite conversations. It really truly is. It's awesome. And it's kind of crazy that Tom brought us both together because I found out about your podcast because when I asked him, he goes, I did one before I said, have you ever been on a podcast? He's like, I did one before it was my buddies. That's all he said. And then I looked it up. I had to go find it and it was your podcast. And so that's where, you know, that's how I got hooked on awesome. your podcast. Yeah. Tom that's is a kind man. brother so and, a, and a great good. soul, man. Love that dude till the day I die. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, he was rad to have, it was an honor to have him on, man. Being a K2 fatty dude. It was like, <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, cool. man, so, the, the watch the evolution of the skating industry and the watch to see the skating industry coming full circle again now and to see it, the, its popularity picking back up again. It's, ah, it's awesome, man. It's such a great place to be because there's some incredibly cool people in this space. And I love what inline skating has done for so many individuals. So many of the kids that I know that have, like you interviewed Kevin Dowling and, and how he is crafted a career and a lifestyle around not skating, but, but how skating has provided an avenue for him and so many other people, um, how skating has blessed their lives in so many different ways. It's incredible. And like how he was talking about how skaters make these natural actors and all that. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly true, man. It really is. It is. It is. It's awesome. Nate, man, thanks a lot for being on. Thank you so this much for having awesome. me, Aaron, man. I it really was... appreciate it. Looking forward to it. And part two is going to be on my show where you're going to be coming on there and we're going to break it down. Yes, that's awesome. 
I love, I love it, dude. I love it. Just send me a message. Let me know when and what. And yeah, I've got, I've got an, I, I purposely didn't send the email until after we did the interview. Cause I didn't want you to get, you know, sidetracked on anything, the stuff that I wanted to get you thinking on. So we've got a whole plethora of stuff. We're going to really dive into deep when we show up on my show. So I'm really looking forward to it. Part two. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Thanks for being on Nate. Thanks Aaron. Talk to you. Thank you again for joining us on this episode and don't forget to like, rate, review on iTunes, both of our podcasts and share on social media. It really means a great deal to us and until the next episode, see ya.